You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Heart Matters, where leading cardiology experts explore the latest trends, technologies, and clinical developments in cardiology practice. Your host for Heart Matters is Dr. Janet Wright, Senior Vice President for Science and Quality for the American College of Cardiology. It's summer in Washington, D.C., and as health system reform heats up, we're going to take a break. Travel with me today to the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia to explore the terrain of cardiovascular care with one of the country's experts. We're going to learn the similarities and differences, the challenges and opportunities in land far away from the U.S. Our guest today is Dr. Mustafa Youssef. Dr. Youssef is the founding director of the Prince Salman Heart Center at King Fahad Medical City in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. Welcome, Dr. Youssef. Hi, Dr. Wright. Pleasure. I'm really honored to be able to talk to your audience today. Well, it's a delight to have you, and I will say for our audience that you're actually joining us from Riyadh. That's true. A bit of a temperature difference between us. (laughs) I've never had the opportunity to visit Saudi Arabia. I think that might be true for many of our listeners. And I'm even less aware of the current state of cardiovascular disease there. Maybe that's a good place to start. Well, to start with, we have a very young population, and we have a very high incidence of risk factors. Diabetes, for instance, is prevalent in about 26% of our population, which is way above most international rates for other countries. We also, if we include insulin resistance or pre-diabetics, it raises the percentage to around 40%, which is quite remarkable. And this also translates, obviously, into a manifestation of increased incidence of coronary artery disease. In our cath lab population, which is an indicator of sort of the diseased already patients, the incidence of diabetes is around 70%, which is really huge. Now, if you factor into that, that the majority of our population actually, more than 60% of our population, are below the age of 20, we have an impending explosion of cardiovascular disease. And according to WHO um, estimates, we expect that there's going to be a 400% fold increase over the next couple of decades. That is stunning. The potential for, um, I'm almost stymied by the number of problems that that kind of epidemic can cause, both for the individual, for the families, and then for the healthcare system in Saudi Arabia. We also have positive things, which is, for instance, the incidence of rheumatic heart disease has gone down quite dramatically lately. And this is obviously due to improved living standards, more education on the patient's part, and a better medical system with detection of the risk factors early and dealing with it more aggressively and actively. So coronary artery disease is going to be our main problem. We also have a much higher incidence of congenital heart disease, mainly because of consanguineous marriages and possibly because of the incidence of diabetics also as well in pregnancy, it may actually increase the fetal malformations as well. And you founded the Prince Salman Heart Center. You're a tertiary care center, I understand. True. And how is your capacity at this point in view of that rising incidence of diabetes and obesity? We've been busy from day one. We've almost been 100% capacity from the day we started. The thing is there's a little bit of a complex scenario in Saudi Arabia we have multiple caregivers that have independent sort of resources, all coming from the government except for the private practice, but they're independent in the sense that they function independently administratively. So we have the Ministry of Health, which is where I work, and our center here, the Prince Salman Heart Center, basically covers uh, tertiary care referrals from all over the kingdom. You have to remember the kingdom is quite a large area. It's relative to the U.S. It's about a quarter of the size of the United States 
a little bit more than a quarter. So it's a large area, take into consideration that we have vast areas of desert expanse between the cities, so transportation is a problem, and it's not as populated as the U.S., so we have something in the range of around 27 million population. So transportation is a problem. The major cities are uh, the condensed areas sort of of concentration. But add to that, we have the Ministry of Health, as I said. We have the National Guard. We have the Ministry of Defense. We have the Ministry of Interior. We have the King Faisal Specialist Hospital System. And uh, we have the University Hospital Systems. Each one of these provides care that is sort of unrelated to the other. So it's a little bit complex. We're trying to fix that and get more horizontal communication between the different providers so that at least we can coordinate the provision of services and not have as much repetition and therefore waste, as well as not having the patients shop around as much and cause, again, a duplication of care and wastage also of resources. One of the struggles in the U.S. now is trying to connect practices and practices in their hospitals through health information technology. How electronic is healthcare in Saudi Arabia? Within each individual hospitals, especially the tertiary care hospitals like ours, it's almost completely electronic. We haven't gone to a full paperless system with regards to physicians' notes but everything else is paperless, and the next stage is to go paperless with that. What we're aiming to do is, I guess what you're alluding to, is to try to get an electronic system that gives you medical records for the patients wherever they present that shows you what they've done regardless of where they presented previously. There was a suggestion to actually tie this into the national number or the ID number and Mm -hmm. to have that as the medical record number, and then wherever the patient would go, that number could be their medical record, and basically you'd be able to pull everything out. And I'm not sure about the practicality of that or whether or not that's you know, going to be done, but that was one of the suggestions. We still have a problem there that we haven't solved completely. And you actually may be further down the road than we are in the U.S. in that there are all kinds of privacy issues about issuing a number that then sure. travels with the patient. But until we have that sort of ability to connect settings of care with the patient being the connector, we won't be able to really measure and improve care. It's clearly a hurdle for us. True. And it also makes it difficult to get accurate statistics. We have a lot of duplication because patients will be presenting to several different hospitals and could be counted twice where you're uh, calculating, for instance, incidences of disease or procedures done. So it does complicate things a little bit and makes your planning a little bit more difficult. But I can also understand the issues related to privacy and the concerns that are present there. And I'm not sure how that's going to pan out eventually here with regards to applying the universal ID or the sort of the standard country ID number to a medical record number per se. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Janet Wright, and our guest today is Dr. Mustafa Youssef, founding director of the Prince Salman Heart Center at King Fahad Medical City in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. We're discussing cardiovascular care in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Dr. Youssef, I know you've been uh, in the leadership of the Saudi Heart Association, both serving as chair of the International Committee and chair of the Scientific Committee for the upcoming meeting next year. Share with our listeners the priority issues. Let's talk about at the meeting or for the association. We're trying to actually get a little bit more involved in issues related to public education and preventative care. We've been lagging behind a lot of at least Western countries with that regard, and we're trying to catch up with preventative care and improved patient education. It hasn't been a role that the Saudi heart has played as actively or aggressively in the past. 
We're also trying to get more data and statistics to help us plan for countrywide policies. So we consider ourselves really a fledgling institution, although we're trying our best to achieve the highest targets. We look, as you know, to the American College of Cardiology and American Heart Association, as well as the European Society of Cardiology, for advice and for direction, as well as trying to get them in with us as solid partners to try to improve how well we do things. But recently, we have made quite a few moves with regards at least to patient education. We've gone in the newspapers as well as on TV to try to address things like smoking cessation, which is still a significant problem here in the Middle East and Saudi Arabia specifically. We still don't have as strong an enforcement of regulations prohibiting smoking in public areas or in restaurants, etc., or in transportation. We haven't been as successful as you are in the U.S. and most Western countries, also with regards to obesity and the importance of exercise and dietary recommendations. All of these issues, we're still at the beginning of our road, if you will, to try to improve on them. But again, as the Saudi Heart Association, we are trying to expand our role from just uh, running meetings to go out into the community and get involved as much as we can in improving the potential outcomes for people's health with regards to cardiovascular disease. You know, you speak of the importance of connecting with heart associations and societies around the world, clearly because of this global epidemic, and I think also because none of us has a handle on how to help people change their behaviors, that the more collaboration and communication amongst us, the more likely we are to find a formula that works. Absolutely. I, I think that one of the things we're trying to do, and this wasn't done in the past, a lot of us have been sent abroad over the last 20 to 30 years to train either in the U.S. or Canada or European countries. And we've come back, and for the most part, we haven't been as active as we should be in trying to build the bridges across the oceans to connect on different levels, whether it be research, try to give an aspect of the different disease we have. I think we have a unique type of pathology here in in Saudi Arabia. The coronary artery disease is much more extensive The patients present a lot later, and they present a lot later in the disease history, but a lot younger age-wise. The average age for our cath lab patients, for for instance, is 52, which Mm. is significantly below the ages you would see in a population in the U.S. or in Western Europe. So we do have a different perspective of, of patients here. And also with regards not just to limit ourselves to discussing coronary artery disease, The incidence of congenital heart disease here is just remarkable. And the local experiences also are quite unique. And on that aspect, we can maybe contribute to the pool of knowledge that hopefully is transmitted worldwide. But on many other aspects, I think we can gain a lot of knowledge in regards to how to improve our systems and how to also take better care of our patients. Dr. Youssef, You all have tremendous experience in the management, diagnosis and management and treatment of congenital heart disease. I understand you also have a registry. We do. I'm not directly involved with the registry, but the registry is probably one of the most well-established registries in the world with regard to congenital heart disease. Again, it goes back to the prevalence of congenital heart disorders, but also to the availability of tertiary care for congenital heart disease present at least for the last 20 years. They probably have a patient registry inclusive of around 15 to 20,000 patients, which they've been following up in the range of more than 10 years now. And with that, they have, I think, a lot of information that they've acquired from it, but also uh, the experience is, is quite unique. And it's localized to probably two or three major hospitals. So you can see there from the numbers, 
Let me give you an idea here. The three major hospitals that do congenital heart disease surgery do around seven to 800 congenital heart surgeries on kids every year. And this mm-hmm. is just in the city of Riyadh. So we have quite a high incidence and concentration of dealing with congenital heart disease. And the expertise is, again, quite extensive as well. And you are an interventional cardiologist, I understand. True. And your stenting, uh, can you speak to us about the patterns that you see? I did my training in Canada. Obviously, I travel to a lot of the U.S. and European meetings, so I see what sort of pathology is meant mostly with regards to coronary artery disease. And the pathology we see here is quite different in the sense that it is quite extensive. You get really diffuse disease that involves multiple vessels. And uh, with regards to the pattern of stenting, for instance, our drug-eluting stent usage is still above the 95%, despite the latest concerns and some financial concerns. And the reason we have still continued to use a lot of DESs, our drug-eluting stents, is because of the extent of the disease, the prevalence of the diabetes in our patients, the length of stent that we end up using. So as to decrease the potential for restenosis, we tend to use a lot many more drug-eluting stents for longer lesions as well. So it's a little bit different than you would see in your usual average North American practice. And gender differences that you've observed? Again, I think we have, with regards to coronary artery disease, at least still a significant male prevalence. We do not have very accurate statistics. We're presently building our registries for the cath lab across the kingdom. We don't have all of the hospitals involved yet. We're also trying to set up a congestive heart failure registry and an acute coronary syndrome registry, all of which are sort of in their infant stages. But I wouldn't be able to give you accurate sort of determinations of sex or gender differences for coronary artery disease. But we have a clear prevalence of male dominance for the coronary artery disease. But again, as you know, we still have a problem worldwide with women being recognized and diagnosed accurately. And the problem is more so in the Middle East. Again, for cultural issues, women tend to be a little bit more shy, if you will, than their Western counterparts and maybe have less access to transportation as easily. So I can't give you an accurate description. It's one of the questions that we're trying to figure out and make sure that we improve upon as much as we can. We've been talking with Dr. Mustafa Youssef about cardiovascular disease and its care in Saudi Arabia. Dr. Youssef, thank you so much for being our guest today. Thank you. It's my pleasure. You've been listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. For more information on this week's show or to download a podcast of this segment, please visit us at ReachMD.com. Thank you for listening.